and welcome to the More with Nikki Dutton podcast. This place, the space of this podcast has just become something so special. I feel like it's an opportunity for you and I to connect, for me to reach through this microphone and hopefully be a part of your day or your week or your life rhythms. And if you're a family or friend, like I hope that my voice being in your day is just a little bit of life and light. But it has also become so special for me personally because I get to invite people who mean a lot to me and have been markers in my life and in my spiritual journey. I get to invite them to be guests on the podcast and they represent such a wide variety of moments in my life. But today I have Dr. Robert Gallagher on the podcast. He was one of my professors from my graduate program. So I went to Wheaton College and I was a part Part of the Masters in Evangelism and Leadership program through the Propel Women cohort, the very first cohort, shout out. And he was one of my favorite professors. Dr. Gallagher has this way, which you'll hear in this conversation, of just bringing Jesus into everyday moments in such a special, special way. And it just makes sense. He makes spiritual practices and disciplines feel tangible and feel understandable. And so he and his wife, Jaina, are absolutely amazing. She got to speak into some of our course materials well. And I just find myself referencing what I learned in his class often. The big thing that I wanted to talk with Dr. Gallagher about today is something that I am currently learning about, something I am trying to currently practice, and that is this practice, the spiritual discipline of slowing down in the midst of a life and culture that demands urgency and speed and efficiency. And there's just so many things that command my attention all day long. And I feel sometimes like I can just be an efficient machine and forget that I'm a human being. And we talk about that in today's conversation. So wherever you are, take a deep breath and we're going to settle into this incredible conversation with one of my all-time favorite professors, Dr. Robert Gallagher. We are on the other side of Easter, and so maybe you find yourself ready for a manicure refresh. You know that Olive and June have been such faithful sponsors of this podcast the last few months. So if you are looking to elevate your at-home experience, I highly recommend that you check out the Olive and June manicure system. They have everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. Customize it with your choice of up to six nail polishes. This polish doesn't chip and lasts seven days or more, and this breaks down to be just about two a manicure. There are such cute color sets online right now. I like the pink opal and freshwater pearl sets. Olive and June's mission is to make that beautiful feeling happen for everyone. So don't wait. Go and visit oliveandjune.com slash Nick Dutton for 20% off of your first manicure system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash N-I-K-K-D-U-T-T-O-N for 20% off of your first manicure system. Okay, Dr. Gallagher, you were one of my professors in grad school, and we were just talking about this, that your course was one that has stood out to me. And I go back and I reference a specific practice we did, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I would love for you to tell anyone listening who you are, a little bit of your story, and what life looks like for you. Well, thank you, Nikki. Lovely to be with you. Uh, Originally from Australia, and I was... uh, metallurgist and then a high school teacher and then 
a pastor for a number of years and had a real deep desire to learn more about the Bible. And God opened up a door by his grace for my family and myself to go to Pasadena and study at Fuller Theological Seminary for a number of years. And then again, God opened up a door to teach at Wheaton College Graduate School. And I've been there for the last 25 years, focusing on theology and history of mission and also leadership studies. So uh, I've done 25 years, as I said, and the department retired, but I'm still teaching there in in other areas. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I had said this as well. I have a few friends who have done the program and have been in your class even in the last couple months. And one of my friends said that your course made the whole program worth the time. So I know that the content really has been, you know, life-changing and has meant a lot to us. Well, that's very kind. By God's grace. By God's grace, for sure. And I would love to know, being a professor, what are a few things that you've noticed in your students over the last few years? I would love to know what you've seen students are interested in, what are some of the challenges they're facing, just some of the observations you've noticed about students. When I first came to Wheaton grad school 25 years ago, just listening to the students and what they selected for their assignments, it was focused on two things church planting and discipleship. And then it shifted and other institutions in tertiary education where I was involved in also were evidence of the same shift towards compassion, justice ministries. And uh, that's just interesting how God, (laughs) it's no surprise, but God works in institutions in the United States all at the same time, putting deep desires on people's hearts Right now, again, I have the opportunity to teach in different institutions and surfacing is a desire for people to study and learn more about mobilization, how to be a catalyst to encourage people into ministering cross-cultural work. On on the negative side, I've seen in the last 25 years uh, disturbing biblical illiteracy, so people understanding, comprehending less and less about the Bible. And also I've seen, sadly, uh, an increase in workaholism and burnout and chronic disease resulting from overwork and stress. So that's very sobering to witness that. I mean, exactly. I mean, that's what led to me wanting to ask you to be on today's podcast because we'll get to kind of the main idea here in a few minutes. But I think that idea that there is a lot of workaholic tendencies, that it's all about the hustle and the grind and do more. And if you do more, you'll be more. I I think that that is something that I have definitely been a victim of. And as I've looked around at my classmates or my friends or my family or my husband, it's very, very easy to fall into that mentality for sure. That's, That's right. For sure. And as we were in your course, you were talking with us about kind of some ways to slow down life a bit. And we talked a lot about spiritual disciplines. And I would love if you could explain for us what spiritual disciplines are. And out of some of the ones that you share, what are what's a favorite that you have and why? <laughs> well, I uh, spiritual disciplines is a correct term. I tend to use the expression spiritual practices. It's less foreboding, and people get a little nervous when you talk about discipline. 
Uh, it's true, but I, I see spiritual practices give opportunity for followers of Jesus, space and time, opportunity in their lives to connect with God as he wills. I mean, we don't do the spiritual practices of force God's interaction, but at least we provide opportunity for the Spirit of God to connect with us, to speak to us, to reveal things to us, and then to follow follow that direction that he's sharing. You see that in the early church in Acts 2, where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. From the very beginning of the early church, the continuance of Jesus' teaching and action, you see spiritual practices in the forefront. God is more concerned with who we are becoming than what we are accomplishing. And you hear the expression sometimes, and I really believe this is true, ministry comes out of being rather than doing. We are human beings, not human doings, to use a twisted axiom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember you saying that in our class. I remember that exact phrase that we are human beings, not human doings, which can be um, kind of uh, a different way of thinking about things. And so what what would some of the spiritual practices be? Which one uh, that is uh, something to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I've I've moved as I journey with God in obedience to Him. Uh, prayer is central. Um, we connect with God in various ways. There are different sacred pathways to connect to God, be it creation or service or compassion, justice ministries. I connect to God through the intellect as well, and of course, the Word of God is central to my spiritual practice as well as prayer. You can't get away from those two. But I think more and more I'm becoming aware of the importance of solitude and silence. And attached to that, and every spiritual practice is under this umbrella, and that is slowing down. If we don't slow down, it's very challenging to do any spiritual practices in order to make space and time to connect with God. So I'm, I'm learning as I'm going along. Bible and prayer, um, valuing more and more solitude and silence and realizing more and more as I go on in the journey that slowing down is crucial to connecting with God. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And like I said, I think that there is a lot in our current day culture that kind of pulls against those tendencies and those practices. And I know that it has likely been a challenge since the very beginning, but it seems to have unique complexity with the way that we do life today in 2023. And I, I had mentioned that there was one assignment from your class that has stood out to me. We had to go through a few different modules that focused on various spiritual practices, and each one would have different uh, exercises that we could do with it. And there was one where we were encouraged to take a 24-hour span 
span of our day, not change anything about our schedule, keep doing, you know, the chores and the work and the errands and all of those things, but just to mentally take the practice to slow down as we went through that 24-hour time period. And I admitted to you that I picked it because I thought, oh, this will be an easy one. I can do it. I can journal about it. Assignment is done. But it actually was a lot more challenging than I had imagined. And it, it stuck with me. I've mentioned that to people ever since I took the class in 2020. I've brought that up over and over and over. So I'd love to hear you say or explain to us, what is the importance of slowing down? Yeah, I want to, uh, Nikki, say that a lot of what I'm sharing today, I've got open hands. I mean, I'm sharing with you and your listeners as a suggestion, uh, not as a dogmatic command. And it's coming out of my own experience where as a pastor in Australia, as a, where I came from, as I said, I was... I had an axiom that is unbelievable to think of. I felt that I needed to work every second of the day for God and do multitasking. And so with a little family, you know, two little girls, my dear late wife, uh, I was working 60, 70 hours a week in the church. And the answer was for the call of God, for God, as well as doing tertiary studies, as well as traveling in different places being indispensable for God. And and God brought me to a realization through a number of different avenues, one of which my wife wrote letters. The only way she could communicate was through letters because I wasn't listening to her. And also Celebration of Discipline and Richard Foster's book in the early 80s for me really touched my heart. And following and looking at Jesus in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of Luke and his rhythms of work and rest and withdrawing and work and rest, that really challenged me. So uh, slowing down, <laughs> and I think we I'm just reflecting on my own life and my two little girls, I was rushing from the past to the future. I wasn't really enjoying the moment. And uh, Peter Kreft, who is a wonderful spiritual director, has this quote, If you can't take time to do nothing, you're a slave to doing. Doing nothing is a radical revolutionary act. It frees you from the universal slavery of our age, slavery to the clock. The clock measures doing but not being. And as you said a couple of times, this is what we're suggesting is absolutely radical and revolutionary to any Western country, especially the United States, which I'm a dual citizen of Australia and United States, and I I value many, many things in this culture. But when you compare nations around the world, the nation that works per capita more hours than any other nation in the world is the United States and has less holidays, and, and the list goes on. It's, it's, and I'm talking not only in the secular world, but also in the church as well. Moving towards muchness and manyness, hurriedness, busyness, and workaholism. And I don't think it's God's intent that we live that way. 
I agree. And I think it's an interesting point that you brought up that sometimes it can actually be in ministry where this pulls against us even more strongly. Because I have been in seasons of life and in ministry where because I wanted to be a part of what God was doing in the world and because I loved my church and because there was so much need, you know, we need someone with the kids and we need someone with the teens and we need someone running the lights and we need someone doing these things that you just raise your hand for all of it. And there was a season where my husband and I found ourselves serving completely in our church, but not worshiping, not participating, not actually being in the service because we were just so busy, you know, going from place to place. And luckily the Lord was good to kind of bring us back. And we had amazing, you know, friends at this church where we could say, hey, I think we've kind of tipped the balance a little too far. And and they were absolutely open for that. Um, And so I I do think that there is like a, a pull, even in ministry, especially to want to do that. Yes, I agree. Yes. And so if someone is listening to this and they're realizing that their life is moving a little too fast, maybe they're seeing symptoms of burnout or they're seeing that they're very exhausted, uh, what would be some first steps to slowing down your life? I know that it seems kind of evident. You just slow down. You just stop doing as much. But what would you suggest as some examples or some practices for slowing down? Well, I think it's a realization that both the church and our secular culture are addicted to busyness and hurriedness and workaholism, as hard as that may sound. And I'm talking about Western society, including Australia as well as the United States. So just a realization, the awareness that as we slow down, it's one way to overcome an inner hurriedness and addiction to busyness, uh, the sacrament of the pleasant, of the present moment uh, tasted to the full. And, and I, I have a foundation of scripture to base those assumptions on. You and your listeners will be aware of Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I grew up in a theological tradition, which I love, but it was all noise and uh, busyness and moving to bigger and better. There was no talk of healthy rhythms that are evident in the scripture, such as withdrawing into rest and being silent before God. And one of the scriptures I see looking at Jesus, I see Jesus as a model, uh, totally God, totally human, But in the Gospels, I see he is a model of what an individual should be fulfilling the purposes of God with the help of the Holy Spirit. And in Mark 6, 30 and 31, is a section of Scripture that speaks to me loud and clear. And that is that the apostles, the early disciples, came back and they were just so enthusiastic about what God was doing through them. They were bouncing off the wall, healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the kingdom of God. And Jesus says in verse 31, because so many people, he asked them, uh, have you had lunch yet? This is my paraphrase. (laughs) Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, the disciples. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me into a solitude place and get some rest, which is 
unbelievable when you consider the context and looking at it through a Protestant evangelical lens of doing better and bigger, uh, we don't like to hear what Jesus said. He stopped them preaching the kingdom of God and casting out demons and healing the sick. Why? Because he knew the limitations of humanity. So that's not answering your question. (laughs) (laughs) But let, let me, examples are slowing down. That was the original question. Uh, If you email me at Wheaton, you will see that I have a response. And I didn't put it on just for today's podcast. And the response goes something like this. I'm I'm having a slow office day. I'm having a slow office week. And I will respond, but not immediately. So give me grace. I'm I'm even using the word I'm, I'm slowing down in that response. So the last couple of years, I've been aware of sleep deprivation, the importance of sleep, and I, I put that under the, the umbrella of examples of slowing down, driving today to different appointments such as the doctor. I organized my day. This may be other people find this funny, but I knew when I had to get to the doctor. I knew how long it would take. And I made a buffer zone of 10 minutes so I wouldn't be rushing in case unexpected things happen with the traffic. Then I worked backwards. How long does it take me to dress? How long it takes me? And I have a rough idea now to shower and what I need to do to get up, what time in order to have breakfast, to follow those things without rushing. So when you're talking about examples of slowing down, I have in my head Don't rush. You don't need to rush. Be prepared. Work it out so that working through the day, you're not moving at 150 miles an hour from one appointment to another. Uh, I believe in buffer zones. If you do have appointments, build in 10 or 15 minutes between appointments. Uh, To slow down, I, I... Try as much as possible to practice speaking slowly, at times walking slowly, chewing slowly, (laughs) eating slowly. And straight away, I I can hear young mums and young dads saying, I've got five children under seven years of age. Give me a break. Uh, Yes, that's true. But I think there are ways that you can help those situations by by teaching your children as well. So there are just some things that, that help peace, harmony, patience, and listening and being connected to people when you should be connected. I think it's one of the most sad things I've experienced when you're talking to someone at a conference or outside an office somewhere, and they are looking over your shoulder to the next appointment. They, and, and the answer is, how are you today? I'm very busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that saddens my heart. Yeah. 
I think that those are great examples because even thinking about driving in the car and not pushing it to the limit of trying to drive, okay, I know the speed limit is 55, so I'm going to drive 60, you know, or just trying to push beyond these, these limits so that you can get to where you're going quicker. And when I did the assignment that day, I found myself exactly like you said, just trying to physically move slower, to not rush and walk, you know, as quickly from point A to point B or or as I was like going through my day to take a moment and take a breath and slow down. Um, I think I also relate to when you mentioned that your email has that response. I think about this urgency that has been created by our cell phones and by email to always be quick to respond. And I think that that has become a modern day challenge to this practice. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's a part of our culture too. I mean, I come from Australia. And there are weaknesses. There are a lot of weaknesses in the Australian culture. But when I first came into Pasadena, California, and my girls were in junior high and high school, and they were interested in basketball, I, I was shocked, you know, coming from another culture. They expected to, straight after school, have training practice. 14-year-old basketball team from 4.30 to 8.30 at night and go home, do their homework, and come back to school. And I said, no, I'm not afflicting my children to have to go through that. So it's a cultural thing. And the same with evangelical church culture too. Often, I'm being careful, I think, churches are driven by programs, activities. And I understand why, especially if you're a smaller church and you're competing with bigger churches, with youth programs, children's programs, I I understand, but I I just don't see that in the early church. They devoted themselves to prayer and word. They devoted themselves to spiritual practices in order to hear from God. And yes, there's room for programs as God leads and opens up opportunity. So, yeah, that's just a few thoughts. Fig and Loom is near and dear to my heart. If you don't know, Fig and Loom sells stunning Turkish rugs that are each individually named after babies whose lives here on earth were cut far too short, but their memory and their legacy live on, like Scott and I's Hosanna. Friends of ours actually bought the rug that was named for Hosanna for us for Christmas, and it is gorgeous and undoubtedly the thing in our home, the piece that means the most to me. These rugs are hand-knotted. They're woven by women who really pour their hopes and their dreams, their celebration and their despair into the colors and patterns that they weave. And these rugs are designed to be passed down for years to come so the stories can continue to be told generation for generations. These are truly incredible heirlooms to add to your family. And the founder and my friend, Kelly Strife, was on the podcast back in the fall, and it's one of my all-time favorite episodes. And keep in mind, when you purchase textiles from Fig and Loom, you can actually get 15% off of anything with the code more with Nikki. So no spaces, more with Nikki if you want to get 15% off of your first purchase and see something that you would like to add to your home. I cannot express enough how gorgeous these rugs are and just how much they mean to the moms and the dads who are behind the names that these rugs are named for. So you can find them at figandloom.co and you can also find them at fig 
bookandloom.co on Instagram, like I said, and use promo code more with Nikki to get 15% off of your first order. I know another aspect of slowing that we talked about in class was practicing a day of rest, so practicing a Sabbath, and that is quite uncommon today. I know that that's not as typical, even within faith communities, but it can be a great place to start in slowing down our life. So what does Sabbath look like for you and your wife in this season? Again, it's for Jaina, my wife, and myself. It's based on a foundation, based on the scripture, uh, where, as you know, it's one of the Ten Commandments. And it's the only commandment in Exodus 20 where God gives as an example, he does it himself, which is astounding. And he, after six days of creation, he rests, not because he was tired, but because it was so important. And then in Genesis, there are three, three entities that God blesses, and he blesses animals and birds, he blesses human beings, and he blesses the Sabbath in Genesis 2. And that means, blessing means the presence of God is there. And also in Deuteronomy, it's a gift. The Sabbath, day of rest, is a gift. So with that as a foundation, a biblical foundation, because sometimes we minister on Sundays, it doesn't always have to happen on a Sunday. But we're very particular, Jana and I, to make sure intentionally to discuss between ourselves when we are going to have a Sabbath. If it is a Sunday, for instance, we have a Christ candle that we light and we pray over as a reminder through the day that this is a day we're giving to God. We're not controlling it. We're giving it to him. And it, it can be fun. I had a young mum ask me maybe two weeks ago, what does Sabbath look like if I have a little family and my husband isn't in total agreement with the idea of Sabbath? Well, just have a fun family day. <laughs> and, and in the fun of eating together, of making a meal together, walking in the arboretum together or around the park with Rosie, our papillon. <laughs> uh, just have fun as a family and give it to God. Uh, so Sabbath needs to be intentional and to have fun before God. Sometimes we pray, sometimes we don't. Sometimes in our walking we pray or read the Bible together, but not necessarily. Sometimes we tell our family, got five adult children and 12 grandchildren, this is a day for mum and I. You know, come every other day, but we are going to devote it to God together today and and honour that request. Mm -hmm. And from your practice of having days of rest and from your practice overall of slowing down, what would you say that you've gained from this? What have been some of the benefits that you've seen in your life? I think uh, an awareness of God in the moment uh, uh, you know, quickly, I would say peace, patience, a harmony, a more conscious awareness and harmony between creation and humanity. <laughs> I, I'm more aware of other people, including my wife, uh, more aware of my grandchildren and listening to them rather than not dropping 
pearls of wisdom from the balcony. Um, just an awareness of the goodness of God. And as God wills, hearing God, uh, be it through the word, you know, reading the Bible, or as my youngest daughter is sharing what God is saying to her, uh, or even a neighbor that not necessarily is a church-going neighbor, but I hear him speaking and sharing things that speak to my heart, uh, seeing and being aware of God mm. in all things, mm. not just in the religious Yes, yes. I think something you said in there was another question that I had for you, and it comes to hearing the voice of God. That's something that it, we all want. We all want to hear from God. We all want to interact with the Holy Spirit in everyday life, but there can be things that pull against that as well. I think a lot of what we've already talked about, this urgency, this rush, this these to-do lists, these pressures that can often pull against hearing the voice of God in, a day, in our daily life. But what would you suggest for someone who is wanting to hear the voice of God in their life? How could they go about that? Well, I think very practically, I've said it quickly, but I think, and this is very countercultural and, and maybe hard for people to hear, I think we are doing too much, especially when unconsciously or consciously we start comparing ourselves with the neighbors or activities that other children are doing and other families or the church activities or whatever it may be. We, we don't have to go to every ballet class, every soccer game, every t-ball. And just to be careful and selective, my suggestion, as to what activities the children are doing because one activity affects the whole family. And if you, sometimes we can overload the program. And I think there are wise ways that a mum and dad together can prayerfully discuss as to how best to have a healthy rhythm for the whole family. You know, some neighbours, for instance, their little daughter is ice skating, uh, as in preparing for competition. I mean, that's four hours every day, almost every day of the week. That's a huge time commitment. So. Uh, all that to say, you know, hearing the voice of God is affected by how many activities we're doing. Uh, other thoughts, uh, other than doing too much, I, um, I'm just conscious of multitasking, just being aware that it's very detrimental to our being. And again, our community, our society is telling us otherwise. You've mentioned already, I think, one of the huge what I'm saying, if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to make space and time to hear the voice of God and not to hear other voices. And you've already inferred clearly that one of the voices we hear is social media and one of the detriments is iPhones. So a fire can be good and bad. It can keep you warm on a cold night or it can burn the house down. So I'm not against iPhones, I'm not against social media, but we need to be cautious and careful that it's not absorbing every moment of every day that we don't have any space and time to hear from God, be it Facebook or Twitter or texting or Instagram. I think there's an addiction in our culture, and that is an addiction to information or missing out, an addiction to the news, news outlets, video games. Uh, 
uh, all these can be hindrances to hearing the voice of God, not necessary evil or sin. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about we're running the race as in life and there's sin, unbelief, that can trip us up. But also it says in Hebrews 12, 1, get rid of the encumbrances that can slow us down. So I have a little encumbrance around my waist that can slow me down. And I think some of these issues that we're talking about, social media, iPhone, texting, doing too much, too many activities, they're not evil per se, but they can slow us down in the race that God intends us to run, is what I'm saying. So there are some hindrances to hearing the voice of God, some enhancements or helps slowing down, don't hurry. Uh, For me, uh, just the realization, and I'm at a different stage of life to to many that are listening to the podcast, uh, semi-retired, but I have valued more and more times of solitude and silence. I think it's the great need of the evangelical church is solitude. And that is an absence of people, an absence of noise, (laughs) And you look at the characters of both the Old and New Testament, great men and women of God, including John the Baptist and Jesus, why did they spend time in the wilderness or the deserts? Solitude and silence. Why? Why was it that Jesus was led, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness? Why was he led into solitude and silence? In order to have that spiritual practice to overcome the temptation of Satan, not as a punishment. Mm. I yes, absolutely. Because I, like I said, I think that what we all want is to hear from the Lord. We want to know how He's directing us, how He's guiding us, how He's leading us, and we just want to know Him. But I think you're right that these weights that can hinder us from progressing in that pursuit of the Lord can be exactly like you mentioned. They can be things that have good options to them. They aren't all bad. They aren't altogether evil, but they can create uh, just a a bad type of slowdown in our pursuit of the Lord and in hearing His voice. And so I think that everything you've shared already is such a good example and good encouragement for what it can look like to make that change. And like you said, you mentioned the phrase counterculture. It is very counterculture. It's not common to keep your kids out of all the activities. And it's not saying that they're not allowed to have a life, but just to be selective of where they're going and what they're doing and and doing the same for ourselves, not only doing that with children, but with ourselves. And I know there are a lot of people who are listening who are in various stages of life. And the good news is that the practice of slowing and the ability to hear God's voice is not reserved for any certain type of person or any certain type of stage of life, that you can be a student in university and practice these things. You can be a parent with small kids and practice these things. You can be whoever you are. You can be working a really important job and still practice these things. And what I'm hearing you say is that through the practice of slowing and through the practice of hearing God's voice and allowing ourselves to pursue that, it will actually enhance the other aspects of our life. Yeah. And I, I realize too, Nikki, that I'm, I'm just, I keep coming back to young men and women with little children. Uh, I mean, you know, the first three months is 24 hours a day. I mean, how, you know, how do you escape from that? 
Right. And then just the demand. I, 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 you know, I think of Susanna Wesley. You heard the story of Susanna Wesley that was the youngest of 25 children and had 19 herself and 10 survived, including John and Charles. And the story goes that when she wanted a quiet time with God, she put the apron over her head to indicate for the children in this small little house that was mum's time with God. And you ask young mums, I'm thinking particularly of, where do you get solitude and silence? Uh, Hopefully you can get it in the bathroom. Hopefully you can get it in the shower. Hopefully, by God's grace, you can teach your children with patience how to play by themselves or play with each other and give you buffer zones of rest and not be on demand 24 hours a day constantly. Uh, That is a big challenge. Yeah, I think that's a very important note. My best friend, who she'll know because she'll be listening, she just had her first child in January. And so they're very much in the, we're just keeping this baby alive. We're making sure this baby's fed and eating. But I do think that they've done a very good job of trying to establish some rhythms of how they would like to practice their faith and even strengthen their marriage in the midst of raising their children, which I've seen that it is possible. Even though it's challenging, it is possible. And God knows. I mean, what what is God's desire? I mean, God's desire is he wants to connect with his people. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you everything now. But when he comes, what he hears, he will speak to you. You know, God's desire is to connect and to speak with us. And what speaks to me more than anything else is Jesus, God himself and looking at his rhythms through the Gospels. Not slothfulness or not laziness, uh, and and being aware that there were tens of thousands of people, just not from Judea or Jerusalem or Galilee, but from all over the Mediterranean world that were pressing in, demanding miracles and signs and wonders from Jesus. And I never see Jesus rushing. I see him moving with compassion from place to place. But at times, such as Matthew 14, after hearing about John the Baptist, his cousin's death, moved with compassion. He taught them the kingdom of God. He fed them and then he turned them away, including his disciples, and went up on the mountain by himself in solitude and silence with God. And I think God knows the situation that people find themselves in, especially with big families or young families, and will give wisdom as to how they can connect with God and find time and space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. We serve a God who has been since the beginning and will be all the way through the end. And so that means it covers a lot of different types of people, a lot of different scenarios. And even though our current culture does seem to pull against these practices, the Lord has created a way to do this, even in the midst of our time. And especially for this time, we're existing in this slice of history and the Lord is connecting with us at this exact moment in time. And so it is possible, even though it feels challenging. Yeah. And I've, you know, with technology, using technology for God's, God's benefit, I, I just find it's just amazing, you know, the opportunities that we have concerning God's Word. 
So in the mornings, I have a quiet breakfast. Again, I've got all my grandchildren outside the house. <laughs> Though we have three, three little ones living with us, three grandchildren living with us. But I listen to Pray As You Go, an app from Great Britain, followed by Alexia 365. I love that one. I listen to that one. It's uh, so good. Just wonderful. Both those are great apps uh, from Great Britain. And then I, I move and God prompts me to be interested in certain books of the Bible. And I listen to Bible Gateway through uh, UK NIV and David Shushay, who is a Shakespearean-trained actor. It's just beautiful to have the washing of the water of the word, Ephesians 5 says. And just lately listening to Genesis 12 and the Abrahamic life, and just allowing God to speak through his word to my heart and mind. And I've heard things and, and felt things that I had never, ever realized before just looking at the text through my eye, but also listening to it. Wonderful opportunities. Even though I'm, you know, I, even on the Sabbath, we unplug as much <laughs> as we can from technology. Technology can be used in wonderful ways to hear from God. Yes, it actually can. And I'll make sure that everyone who's listening has links to be able to follow both of those apps and download them if they haven't yet. Um, anyone who's listened along knows that I love Lectio 365. It's one of my all-time favorites. And so I feel like it's a cheat code to, to you know, hearing the word and getting yeah. to get that devotional in right in the morning and right at the end. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And I would love to know the last question is this podcast is called More with Nikki Dutton. And we've just discussed that sometimes more is less, but I would love to know it can be related to this topic or different. What has finding more in your life looked like recently? After the 25 years of teaching at Wheaton College Grad School and continuing to teach, actually more teaching than I've done in previous years, those so called semi retired. I don't quite think that's biblical for me, is retirement, go to a cabin in the mountains and do nothing. I mean, by God's grace, he's opened up opportunities to to continue teaching and also opportunities by his wonderful grace to continue writing. And I think writing is important for me too, to leave a small heritage behind. So that that's professionally. I think also I've come from a a charismatic theological tradition, which was a little anti-established church. And in the last couple of years, both my wife, Jana, and I have moved to a more liturgical appreciation of worship and, and the form and fashion of that that brings us central to Christ. And the Eucharist, I think that has been very, very eye-opening, mm. <laughs> and God has spoken to us through that. Mm. I think just the realization of relationships with God, but also relationships with those around us, that my, my, I want my eulogy, <laughs> I want to end strong in my relationship with God, but also with my children, my wife, my children, and my grandchildren. So those relationships are becoming more and more precious and, and deepening as I'm getting older. So there are a few thoughts. 
Yes. Yeah. I remember that hits on another one of my favorite assignments from your class. You made us write our own eulogy and it was irregardless of how old we were, how young we were, where we were at in life, but to begin with the end in mind and to live into that. Um, And I had heard that in some form or fashion, but had never actually had to sit down and think through, what do I want people to say about me at the end of my life? And so I think that you've lived a very strong legacy in that way for students and for your family. Well, just recently, I've, I've, I think God has formed another eulogy epitaph on my tombstone, which I put up the, at the end of my email, and it's coming from Luke chapter 1, verse 2, and Luke 8, and verse 15. To be a servant of the word, that's Luke 1, 2. I don't think I've ever heard that before, a servant of the word. And again, Luke 8 is to do with the soils the parable of the soils. I must have heard this before, but in the last year I heard this. Good soil is a person who hears the word of God with a good and open heart and holding fast perseveres to produce the good fruit of God. So sometimes in Christian circles in our journey, we think it's all God and we're just there as an appendix, but it's God with us. So we have a part to play. And I think this is the parable of the sower. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you're not going to understand much. And I think it's very important that if you want to produce good soil or a good crop out of a good soil for God, you've got to hear the word and you've got to hear God's word with an open and honest heart, a noble heart, and hold it fast, no matter what you're going through, what troubles and tensions and stresses, and with perseverance. That's our part too. God, as he wills, will produce a crop, 40, 60, 100, for his purpose, for his glory. Amen. Amen. I mean, I think that is the perfect place to end our conversation. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for being my professor. Thank you being for being my friend's professor. And now you get to be this podcast professor. So thank you so, so much for who you are and just for being open and spending this time with me today. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you, Nikki, for the opportunity. Isn't Dr. Gallagher amazing? I'm just so honored that he would take the time to sit with us and to be on this podcast and just share his thoughts about the process of slowing. I felt like my own heart rate just slowed in that conversation because Dr. Gallagher is just such a good representation of who Jesus is. And I just, yeah, I just absolutely adored that conversation with him. And he has been gracious enough to share some of the resources that have been helpful for him in this practice of slow in Solitude, a couple books, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. I actually read this book for the very first time when I was 18, and it was a game changer for me. I've pulled it out in different seasons. It's one of those rare books that I'll repeat in various seasons of my life. So highly recommend starting with Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Another incredible book that I read actually as a part of Dr. Gallagher's course was Strengthening the Soul by Ruth Haley Barton. That book is not meant just for people in ministry. That book speaks to any soul in any season. So I highly recommend Ruth Haley Barton, anything that she's written, but especially Strengthening the Soul. And then there's another book that Dr. Gallagher wanted me to mention, Spiritual Disciplines Handbook by Adele Gallagher. 
Alberg Calhoun and a few apps too if that is a better fit for your lifestyle. Pray As You Go is his number one favorite. I love Lectio 365. And then of course, Bible Gateway. Dr. Gallagher mentioned that he prefers to listen to the UK NIV version with David Suchet. So all of these are great resources to help get you started. They're linked in the episode description here. And I just hope that you enjoyed this conversation and that you just walked away uh, feeling some hope and some life breathed into your own connection with the Lord. So until next time.